Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Chuck Cooper. Chuck is the managing partner at Whitewater Consulting in Charlotte, North Carolina. Throughout his career, Chuck has been involved at the ownership level of several small and mid-sized companies, and he also has extensive experience working in the PEO industry. Chuck's passion is working with the leadership of small and mid-sized companies, helping them design and define HR strategies that eliminate the fear, uncertainty, and doubt they may have when it comes to solving their people problems. Thanks so much for joining me today, Chuck. It's great to be with you, Diane. I am thrilled to have you here. And I would actually, I, I'm curious um, if there are things that you have seen, like in what ways have you seen leadership change since the pandemic? So that's really a great question to start with. Um, as I look back over the last you know, 18 months or so, or since the pandemic started, um, I've seen a pretty big shift in the way that leaders are leading their organizations and kind of the some of the areas that we're seeing uh, changes in is really uh, seeing leaders becoming much more uh, transparent um, in their communications and the way that they are uh, interacting with their employees and their managers. Um, and part of that leads to, you know, through the transparency, it really leads to them really becoming much more authentic with their people. So, you know, oftentimes um, people have a tendency, and, and I think especially as leaders, we want to have the image uh, to our to our teams that we have everything together and we've got the right answers at the right time. And a lot of, I think the, the uh, pandemic has really shown us that, that we don't have, you know, everything together. Uh, that's yeah. number one. And number two, that it's okay to not have the answers. And then three, how we go about communicating that with our people, I think is really important. So we look at authentic, you know, authenticity, transparency, and just really being able to empathize with, with their teams as far as how they've been impacted by, you know, by COVID and by everything that took place in 2020. So I see a flattening within the, a lot of times within the leadership organization and just really building more of a, um, building more of a community um, to really kind of pull everybody together so that we're working together as a team and we're working toward one common vision. Yeah, it is a weird sort of silver lining Right. I mean, that, that leaders before thought they were supposed to have all the answers. I always say that they're, they're not expected to have the answers, but they are expected to convene the resources to find the answers and, you know, and to tap into their people and, and the knowledge and expertise that's around them. This does seem to be an interesting silver lining that um, leaders have had opportunities to change the way they communicate and change the way they think about their role. I think that's very true. And I think, you know, I think one of the other things that I've seen from that leadership perspective 
is the fact that as I as we talk with leaders um, at the time that the pandemic started, and even probably through the majority of 2020, as we saw um, the leaders that were a part of a peer advisory group, or if they had a a, essentially a board of directors or a community around them that they could use as a sounding board to bounce ideas off of, to talk through issues and, and concerns that they had, those, those leaders were actually able to make decisions quicker. They were able to pivot and move their organizations forward much quicker with a lot more confidence, and their teams actually performed much better than those that were in leadership that were sitting in that silo all alone. And, and I saw several of those situations, you know, in 2020 as well. Yeah, right. I know. So as we're coming out of all of this and, and a lot of places, thank goodness, have reopened, but are there challenges that you see these leaders now facing as, as they reopen? Yeah, there's still just a lot of unknowns and a lot of questions that they're trying to work through. And as an example, I had a business owner that I was speaking with last week, and he his one of his comments to me was, he said, you know, everything that is in my business that is people related, our policies, our processes, the systems that we've used, how we are going to, you know, we're trying to identify the best way to bring people back into the office. Do we let them work remote? All of these situations, he said, all of you know, we're having to try to find solutions for them and to reposition everything so that we're prepared for the future. And he said, at the end of the, at the end of the day, I'm trying to run my business and trying to keep it profitable. Where do I begin? And so I think that's really where a lot of leaders find themselves right now is, you know, how do we go about uh, being able to help work with the employees to you know, get, help them be the most productive and also have some accountability and expectations as we move forward. Yeah, right. Especially when one of the things that we've learned is the unknown can, you know, something can happen immediately, drastically that can flip things, you know, sort of on their head and in many ways, it, you can't anticipate that. No, it's like the pandemic. When we had no, you know, there was no, yeah. no expectations that something as significant as, as that was going to happen. And so right. that's the reason we found that less than half of the companies um, actually had policies and procedures in place to allow for remote work. And yeah. so there was a scramble at that time to try to get, you know, those policies and procedures put into place for that. Right, exactly. Right. Well, there were so many employers who didn't believe that their people could be productive working remotely, too. So, they, you know, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, what do you think employees greatest concerns are as they go back into an office environment? I think the big thing that they've got on their mind is just safety. Um, you know, they just want, and I think that's one of the things that they've always wanted. And I think that's what employers have always wanted too, is they want to be able to bring their people back, but provide a safe environment for their people to work in. Um, and so, you know, there are certain industries, Diane, where, um, I mean, people have to be on site, but then there are also those other industries that are out there where there's just, you know, the employees have had a lot of time to kind of really reflect back on, uh, you know, on their lives and, and the, their work-life uh, balance that they've tried to yeah. achieve. It's really, really hard to find that balance. But I think that people are really looking at 
you know, what type of priorities do I have and where do I really want to be spending my time? And am I am at the bottom, you know, bottom line is, am I the, is the work that I'm doing right now, is that really something I'm passionate about and, and providing real value or not? And so we're given a lot of thought to how to, as an employee, how do we move forward? Um, and so they're really, you know, ultimately they would like to be able to maintain some type of that that work-life balance that they've been able to experience over this last year by working remote. Uh, and I think that that's really, you know, a challenge for both sides and, and how we go about addressing that, you know, through collaboration is really important for uh, both companies as well as for the employees. Yeah, me too. Okay. So, um, based on all of that and based on where we are today, what do you think the future of work looks like for the small and mid-sized companies? I think that when you when you look at the future of work, I think the pandemic itself has actually pulled forward probably the next three to five years of changes we were going to see in the workforce is actually you know, relevant to us where we are today. Um, and so I think that, you know, depending on the industry, again, I think will determine whether or not uh, they are going to be open to, you know, having remote work. Mm -hmm. But I do, as we look at, you know, from a global standpoint, and, you know, I think you're going to continue to see more and more remote work becoming, uh, kind of becoming the norm as we move forward, because, um, the reality is with the technology we have today and, and some of the systems that we're using, it allows for people to be able to work just as effectively and just as efficiently from a remote location as it does working in an office environment. And so I think that, you know, depending on the level of trust that there is between employees and their managers and also the, the management of the, of the company will really have an impact on how quickly they're able to move to that new model. And that really is a huge thing, right? The, this, this trust between everyone uh, is really the foundation of um, growth and productivity and, you know, a good work environment. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at it, was you look at the media, you, you oftentimes you'll see the, you know, the great resignation uh, yeah. that is happening. And I think that there is some truth to that, that there are probably more people looking at moving jobs or, you know, looking at other opportunities today. But I think that if you flip that over, I think the real issue here is more of a workplace issue than it is a um, great resignation. And by that, I mean that I think that there's over the last probably five to 10 years, there's been a growing concern within the workforce that, you know, there isn't a, a real balance between the work life and, the, and their personal life, that they feel like that they have to always be on 24-7. Yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, from that um, is you're, you're seeing a lack of, from the employer role, you're seeing the employee really being viewed as a line item on their on their financial statement rather than the asset that they really are to the company. Boy, yeah, that that is really such a good point. And as you were talking about that, I started thinking about one of the things that we hopefully uh, you know noticed with millennials is that work-life balance is something that really matters to them. 
and, and always has. And so when they look at where do they want to work, they, they want it to be a place where they can have that balance, a place that is socially conscious, that, you know, there, there's all these interesting, um, more intrinsic sort of values than what they're getting in their paycheck. And it feels like through the pandemic that like a lot of people have decided to start looking at and say, okay, wait a minute, you know, life short, look at what can happen in a blink of an eye. I have to change something in, in my world. Exactly. And I think that that's one of the things we continue to talk with our clients about is, you know, how they go about, about leading the different generations within their workforce. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of focus obviously right now on the employee perspective, you know, with everything that they would like to have as we move forward. But I think along with the, uh, with the flexibility of work and some of the things that they would you know, prefer to have, I think when you look at it from the employer perspective, you know, if you're going to be willing to extend that flexibility and to let your people work remote, there's got to be a, a higher level of accountability as well as communication as far as expectations to those employees. And so they've got to be held accountable to the productivity that they're actually doing versus the hours that they spent working and the attitude that they had. Yeah, right. Okay. And so then how do they do that? Because, you know, with remote work, you do get that, that distance and that, you know, accountability becomes a different thing, but it's also, I would think hard to maintain a company culture when people aren't in the same physical space. So how does, how, how do you suggest employers go about that? So that's, I mean, that's one of those, uh, that is an area that is really a, a big challenge right now that we're having lots of conversations around. And I don't know that there is the, a golden uh, a golden or silver bullet out there that's really going to be the, the right answer for everyone. Uh, I know that uh, Chris, uh, Chris Dyer has written a book uh, called Remote Work where he, you know, kind of lays out his ideas and his thoughts on, on how to effectively uh, build a, a culture for remote work. And that, you know, it's been a great book as I've read through that, but I think that there has to be a real shift in mindset from the, from the employer uh, to start with, as far as, you know, just being comfortable uh, about how to go about changing the culture uh, to extend out to those remote work employees that, that they have. And part of it has comes back to, really the uh, the uh, skill sets that the managers within the organization have. And, and I think oh. that's really another area where we're going to see some change that will have, will be a real benefit for this relationship uh, with the remote workers. And that is that rather than having a manager manage the team as a, essentially as a one size fits all, it's really going to come back more to a one-to-one manager-employee man relationship uh, so where you get to know that person at a deeper level, get to know, so you can see when they're being overloaded or, you know, if you've got challenges just from an expectation standpoint. So I think the overall uh, process here is you got to have very, very clear communication uh, as far as what the expectations are. You've got to have regular check-ins with those employees and there has to be a, there has to be a, uh, expectations that are set as far as the time and the hours that the employees are going to be available so that the company can continue to meet its obligations. 
and then it's just a matter of again building that personal connection with the um, you know with the employee based on the values of the organization and I think that's the, the start on how we can go about extending the culture to our remote workers yeah it, it's it feels like the shift from seeing employees as uh, a line item on the budget to you know an integral, part of the success or challenge of the organization it changes that whole dynamic on how leadership engages exactly and again it comes back to that personal relationship and through that relationship is where that trust is really built and where that can be re essentially rebuilt in a lot of organizations right right at this time i'd like to take a sponsor break Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. And I'm sure you know that Audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from, but you might not know about the other content. There's podcasts, Audible Originals, guided meditations. Uh, my favorite thing is to be able to listen to different kinds of things all on the same platform. I think it's a time saver uh, and it's like productivity. Uh, hack for me. I don't have to go jumping from one platform to another. Uh, so we're offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash business growth, sign up for that free trial, and then explore on your own. You know, check out the audiobooks, check out the other programs, see what really, you know, resonates with you. Interested in getting some help with your sales strategy? Pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. So let's talk about talent acquisition. Um, a lot of companies are struggling with finding people uh, and therefore finding um, the right people, right? So how are there things that HR can do to improve that whole process? I think a part of this still comes back to the leadership and then ultimately to HR to really carry out those policies and those procedures you know, for the company. Um, and I, but I think that again, it comes back to you know looking at each position and looking at kind of what the the, the guidelines to, and what the requirements are, and, and really looking at you know are you trying to one and it has to come back to that foundation of are we going to bring everybody back into the office or are we going to allow remote work because that's ultimately that's one of the first things that an applicant's looking at in many situations is is flexibility yeah. there if it's there. Then it comes down to next would be, you know, what is the culture of the organization and does the culture and the values actually align with the majority of the people that we're going to be speaking to? And so that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's really where the, the fit is, is, is being able to um, continue to develop that culture to where your employees ultimately are becoming fans and very passionate about the organization that they're a part of and the, and the mission that they're on so that they can become you know, your number one resource for attracting new employees through employee referrals. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Because they, they love it so much. So I'm, I'm curious, curious if this this you know one-to-one -one leadership style does that mean that the management or the leadership should be engaging with each employee to develop a 
like a, a workflow strategy that makes sense for the position and the individual? Should they be doing that individually? Like they shouldn't be saying this whole department is going to work this schedule? I think that in, in most in many organizations, again, that's going to be one of those areas that um, you know you have to look at depending on maybe on what geography those employees are located in. Are they located in different time zones? But yes, you can you can bring it back to almost a one to one, so you know exactly from a manager level what employees you've got available. You know at seven o'clock in the morning, and you know what employees you've got available at seven o'clock in the evening. Um, so that's you know, one of the areas okay. that you can take a look at. Um, and so it's, I was reading an article recently as well, where we were talking about, again, being able to manage that team in, on a one-to-one -one versus a one-to-many um, is great. And it's something that is going to have to be, uh, you're not going to be able to set a, a set process day one and then live with that for the next year. I think you're going to see us see many companies set that process today, but they're going to be reevaluating in 60, 90, or 180 days to see how effective that's been and then make tweaks, you know, along the way. And I think that's oh. going to be something that we have to, we have to be mindful yeah. of. Right, right. It's going to have to be more fluid, right? This is a major change that we're talking about. And it's, you know, depending yeah. on the, the CEOs. Um, and in some cases, Diane, even the age of the, um, of the business owner and the leadership that we're talking with, has an impact on um, whether they are open to making this this change. And for those that are, you know, in the in the millennial generation, we are seeing their mindset really gravitate more toward these changes that we're talking about versus those that are in my generation and the boomer generation. You know, we're really have a tendency to be very set in how we are doing things and the expectations that we have, and we we're not as open to all of the uh, pivots that are going to be required to be able to, uh, you know, be accepting of all the changes. Right, right. Because we have this belief, this is how we work, right? And I, I would wonder if we need to remind ourselves that work wasn't always this way, that it, that it has evolved as society is involved as, you know, it used to be that everyone lived where their company was, you know, like right there across the street from their company, because that way, you know, we didn't have cars and you get cars, you get trains, you get planes, you get, you know, different forms of transportation. And then that changes how people work. So work really has changed over time. I was just doing a piece on this uh, a couple of weeks ago and you're to your point and, you know, you go back to you know, the early 1900s and you look at most of the business that was done was in just within a community so you had a business owner and then a few employees that did certain tasks every day and we went from that to you know the um, basically the assembly line where you were doing mass production all the same items over and over and over to now we go you know to the late you know 80s up into 2000, where we, the technology became much more important and was a driver of the of productivity and efficiency, you know, to where we are today. So, 
yeah, it has changed significantly over the last hundred years. And I think we are at a, you know, at a point right now where we're going to, we're about to take that next big step um, into the way that we work. Right, right. So we really need to be ready for it and we need to let go of uh, the, a lot of the paradigms that, that we have set uh, because they just don't necessarily apply anymore. Those words of it's the way we've always done it. Yeah. Um, those are the most harmful words that there is. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's right. And yet we hear it all the time. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> it's, so it's, is there a way to get, um, how do I want to ask this question? Are, are there strategies that, that, you know, if there's people listening and they own a small business and they're going through these sorts of struggles, are there strategies that they can use to start these conversations or, or to really open up these sorts of conversations with their employees so it's more collaborative than directive? That is something we've been encouraging our clients to do, you know, really over the last 18 months is we are a big believer um, that there has to be a lot more communication and dialogue with between the, the owners or, or the leaders and the employees. Uh, and I think that, you know, anytime you can have uh, those type of conversations, uh, there's just a lot of positives that come out of those uh, from the needs of the employees and the opportunity for the employers to communicate this is the needs of the organization. And you start to find ways that you can build bridges to solve those problems. Um, another area that we've seen our clients really starting to gravitate more toward you know, is a utilization of, uh, of engagement platforms where they have a, essentially, you know, every employee um, has the ability to, to log on to a, a platform like Wanadu, uh, which is one that we have looked at over the last year. And it's been really effective in just being able to pro, uh, provide back to the client the data on topics that are really pertinent to each individual employee. And, you know, it identifies areas that they are having challenges with, concerns that they may have, as well as uh, opportunities for additional benefits that the company can be providing to these employees to really help support the engagement and the overall health of the, uh, of the employee. So those are some things we're starting to see in the, in the marketplace. Yeah, that's great. I'm not familiar with Wanadale. They're a fairly young company out of, uh, they're actually out of the, out of, the, the um, I think they're either in North Dakota or South Dakota, and uh, they've done a great job in promoting their uh, their platform to uh, to a lot of small and mid sized companies. Huh, that's definitely something people should look into because that's also uh, I find you know one of the struggles with owners and and leaders trying to figure out how they can um, encourage conversation and feedback and input and, and those sorts of things, especially in a remote environment um, in, in a trustful sort of way. Exactly. And if, again, that just, it builds, um, it gives the employers a lot of data that I yeah. think is, is helps business owners to be able to make decisions based on real you know, feedback and real data versus on the, the subjectivity or just a gut feel that they have as far as what they think their employees need. 
Right. So we should not assume that we know what our employees need, right? We should be asking the question. Exactly. And, and you know, back to the, you know, the impact from the pandemic and everything that took place in 2020, we've all been impacted without question. How we've been impacted and, and the direct, you know, directness of that is really, it's impacted each of us completely different. So. Yeah, right. Right. I know it's it's interesting. I, I um, lately have been speaking a lot on um, networking in person post COVID and, you know, because there's a lot of questions about it. And one of the things that I say is, while we have all gone through this experience, you don't know how someone has had this experience, you know, what the impact has been on them in, in on so many different levels that we have to be really careful about assuming that everyone's experienced it the way we have. Exactly. And I think that's one of the reasons that you see the number of, of uh, cases of mental health issues or, you know, challenges that have arisen over the last year as well, is that you know, there's the COVID has really impacted many just on that personal level, whether they've lost somebody, you know, in their family to yeah. you know, the loss of income. And so, you know, we are, we are also a firm believer that when it comes to the person, when it comes to the employee benefits, we look at try to look at the employee uh, from a holistic standpoint. So looking at them from their physical health, their mental health, the social and the financial wellness, all of those are interconnected. And so I think that that's one of those other areas that, you know, as businesses, we need to be looking at how we can provide resources to really meet the needs in those different areas. Oh, okay. So is that like, you know, putting together a, a benefits program that, speaks to, you know, needs beyond like typical fringe benefits. So when you look at, you know, uh, oftentimes within companies, we offer the, the health insurance, the dental and the vision, and just really pretty much a one size fits all package yeah. for our clients. And the reality is today we have uh, five different generations in the workforce. So they all have different needs that they, and they perceive the value of those benefits differently. And then again, going back to, you know, our, our discussion on how we were all impacted by COVID, this mm -hmm. also plays into, you know, how, what kind of benefits do we need to really be able to provide a very healthy and well-rounded employee, you know, so we, so that when they come to work, they're, they're ready to go and they're productive um, and we get the maximum production from them uh, as possible. Right. So we really need to be paying attention to things that we didn't necessarily need to, that the need wasn't as strong before necessarily. That's the reason that we were a firm believer in the, in the engagement platforms and being able to have that data to really make these kind of decisions as a leader. Right. Instead of going through the assumption, boy, this is so interesting. I, I really, Chuck, I, I have... Uh, I value this conversation so much because this is so timely and important and we really are moving into a new phase of business management structure, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for joining me to, to have this conversation. It's definitely a fascinating time to be in the space and to be able to work with, you know, the clients that we work with. And for, for our conversation, Diane, I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, to be able to have this, these type of conversations with people like yourself. 
Uh, it's so great. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you and you know anything you've got going on you think they should know about? Sure. Um, the best way to get in touch with us is uh, our company website is whitewaterconsulting.net. And the best way to get in touch with me personally is through my email or my phone. Email is chuck at whitewaterconsulting.net. And my phone is 704-236-3131. And if you would like to go to the website, uh, there are some, some great tools and uh, resources that are made available that uh, we find we think that would be very valuable for, uh, for small and mid-sized business owners to take advantage of. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. And this has really been uh, an important conversation. So thank you all. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.